0: Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? This is the gospel according to Saint Mark, chapter 10, beginning at verse 46, as uh, Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus son of Timaeus a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to shout out and say Jesus son of David have mercy on me many sternly ordered him to be quiet but he cried out even more loudly son of David Have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Your faith, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on his way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It happened in Jericho, that famous biblical city where the walls came tumbling down. And although the walls didn't tumble down that day, the miracle that took place was every bit as uh, momentous for Bartimaeus. And maybe, just maybe, it was momentous for the crowd. As well Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem he is um, heading to Passover in fact chapter 11 begins the very next verse begins with him uh, arriving every Jew uh, was uh, commanded by uh, the Old Testament to go to Jerusalem every year at Passover to go to the temple, to make an offering, uh, to eat the Passover meal uh, uh, there in Jerusalem, to recall God's salvation. And if you began in Galilee, where uh, Jesus probably began, it was a four or five day walk to Jerusalem. When you get to Jericho, you've only got eight hours left. It's 18 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's all uphill, that last 18 miles. You're walking through a desert. There's nothing much between Jericho and Jerusalem, and you can make that walk in eight hours. So Jesus and um, the crowd are, are leaving Jericho, And as they are leaving, most of you know this story. You're familiar with it. If you've sat in church uh, over the decades, you've heard preachers, including me. I preached this sermon twice uh, while I was at Mulberry. Not this sermon, but this text. (laughs) You already know. Jesus, uh, Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and jesus says call him up and bartimaeus tosses his cloak off and and perhaps with the help of somebody dashes toward jesus and and uh, jesus heals him he says your faith has made you well i've i've preached this text i went back and looked i have preached this text 10 times over the course of 40 years this is my 10th time preaching this text I am sure that in those other nine sermons, which are up in my attic and which I did not go to find, I am sure that the other nine times I always lifted up Bartimaeus. I mean, isn't that what you do with this text? Uh, I'm sure that I uh, lifted him up as a determined model of faith. I mean, he just kept on keeping on. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Be persistent, folk. I'm sure that's how I have always lifted this up. Never quit on your faith. And if that is the way I preach that, I say amen to that. I'll bet it was a good sermon. (laughs) And, and, And that's still true. But that's really not the direction I want to go today. Because the beauty of Scripture is, the beauty of the Bible is, every time you read it, and no matter how many times you read it, and no matter how many years old you are, the Scripture is is always alive. And my goodness, if you'll just open it, if we will just open it and read it, um, God through the Holy Spirit is going to make something happen. So guess what? I decided, well, maybe I better read this story again before I preach on it this week. And I saw some stuff in here that I've never seen much before. First, we love to tell other people to shut up. Let that sink in for a while. The powerful have this need to silence and stifle the powerless. The only thing the powerless have is a voice and the powerful love to say to the powerless shut up. Did you hear that part of this story? Bartimaeus uh, calls out rather humbly, Jesus son of David have mercy on me And they say to him, shut up. A beggar. A blind beggar. They say to him, shut up. My gosh, they they could have just ignored him. Bonnie had a Zoom meeting this week at our house, I was in the other room. It was a lively Zoom meeting. I didn't say to her, shut up. I just put headphones on, you know, I just ignored it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They could have just walked by, but no, they've got to say, shut up. When I was growing up, um, we had this saying around my house this was the saying. We don't say shut up to each other. Did you, did you have that saying at your house? We The reason we had that saying was because we did say shut up to each other. Why else would you need to have a saying that we don't say shut up at this house? We said it so often that we just used the initials WDSSATH. But all of us are... Are pretty good at saying shut up to other people. It even happens in marriage. The way it happens in marriage is when the more powerful person says to the other one, we're not going to talk about that in this house. In marriage enrichment that's called control talk. When one person says this, this topic is, uh, is off limits as if one person gets to say that. Shut up Bartimaeus go to the back of the bus stay in your closet take a number follow the chain of command wait your turn be patient follow the rules never minding the fact that we can rewrite the rules while you're trying to follow them. If you've ever read Kafka, and I've not recommended if you're already depressed, but most of Kafka's novels are novels, in my opinion, of people who are screaming out to be heard, and nobody will listen to them. was doing was asking for help. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. To silence other people is a strong and apparently an addictive power. It is hard and inconvenient to listen, and it is even harder to listen when what somebody else wants to say is not our reality. I never preached this part of John 10 before, but it's right there. To listen is to grant another person his or her humanity but there's more to this text and this next part is a little more unsettling to me those who were yelling shut up to Bartimaeus were Jesus followers well I never realized that before been preaching this for 40 years, 39 years. This is my 39th year. I preached this first 39 years ago. I thought, you know, okay, maybe I better get it out. And here's what I've always thought in the past, that the people uh, shouting down Bartimaeus, they were in the crowd along the road. I always sort of had this mental image that Jesus is going down the road and kind of like Palm Sunday, and there are people on both sides. And and poor Bartimaeus wants help, and and it's the other people in the crowd who are telling him to shut up. That could, could have at least made me feel a little bit better. But I'll tell you, funny things happen when you read the Bible. You find out, oh, what I thought was true in that story, it doesn't say anything about crowds along the roadside. It says that Jesus, his disciples, and a large crowd Are walking down the road they're all going to Jerusalem they're all heading to to Passover and when Bartimaeus wants them to stop it's someone in Jesus crowd it's it's a Jesus person who says shut up why don't you I wonder what Jesus thought he is now within a week of his death, for three years, he has been preaching, Love one another, let your light shine, you are the salt of the earth. And then one of his followers looks at Bartimaeus and says, Shut up. Get this Jesus disciples are on the way to Jerusalem to be religious. They are on the way to Jerusalem because Passover is right around the corner and there's no time for a beggar. They are saying this to themselves, this is in my preacher's imagination, they are saying to themselves that day, There are a quarter of a million people getting ready to be in Jerusalem. I need lodging. I need meals. Um, It's an eight-hour walk. Um, The kingdom might come while it it, it is happening, and I don't want to be late. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Do you see the irony in this? On the pilgrimage road, while they are trying to get someplace to demonstrate their religiosity, they did the least religious thing you could do. The uncaring, utter disrespect of somebody made in the image of God. I was at the reception, the goodbye reception, for Bishop Lawson Bryan about a month ago. It was on a Sunday afternoon. I didn't want to go. Sunday afternoon, come on. I wanted to, here's my strategy. I'm gonna get in and I'm gonna get out. There was a reception line. Everybody wanted to speak to the bishop my strategy I want to say my I want to say goodbye to him get out it was kind of a disorganized uh, reception line so you really weren't in a line that's even worse isn't it so I mentioned my way up little by little and and right about the time when I know I'm gonna be next somebody comes up and speaks to me and asked me a long question and I said to myself if I get in conversation with them I'm gonna lose my place in line You've never done that, I know. (laughs) I gave them a one-word answer to their question and turned away from them so I didn't lose my place. And I saved myself all of five minutes as I got back in my car and drove back to my house. I was ashamed of myself. I disrespected another person so I could save myself five minutes. These aren't just any people that told Bartimaeus to shut up. They were Jesus' followers. And then comes this Magnificent insight from John chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, again. If you think you know a story, just read it again. Read it carefully. You'll find stuff in there you've never seen before. Verse 49. They've told Bartimaeus to shut up. He screams all the louder. You know, that's what you think you can we can shut people up the only thing they've got if the only thing they've got is their voice you can't stop somebody Bartimaeus screams all the louder and then verse 49 never had I seen this before Jesus stood still that's so awesome everybody knows Jesus wept Maybe we ought to know Mark ten forty nine. Jesus stood still. I love that detail. Get it in your mind. They probably started out early in the morning. You got eight hours ahead of you. You're walking through the desert. Any of you taking a trip, you'd like to get started early in the morning. When you get started early, do you want to stop at the gas station two minutes after you've started? No, you don't. So everyone is in motion. The morning is cool. Your legs are full of vigor. Your anticipation is high we're gonna be there in eight hours you're just arms and legs are moving people are humming under their breath and all of a sudden this beggar interrupts everything and then Jesus stood still nobody else wanted to hear him but Jesus sure did I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this verse Jesus stopped in his tracks man isn't that powerful stopped in his tracks there's not much point in walking 8 hours to prove you're religious when there's an opportunity right in front of you now this is where the preacher would usually urge us to individually love one another a street person stopped me on the way in the door this morning this is the place where a preacher would perhaps move right into that i could do that we could have fun with that but i want to suggest this morning Or to ask with you if maybe instead of saying, you know, do you and I need to stop every once in a while as individuals, is it possibly the Mulberry Street Church that needs to stop and listen to the cries around us? is it possible that in all this activity of our church you know how are we going to become the church we want to become and how are we going to get to the desired place we want to be how can we recover who we once were or who we used to be or how can we be as strong as x church or y church how can we recover some mythical past that's down the road somewhere if we can just get through that rocky desert maybe we'll get to uh, the kingdom I want to ask if maybe we as the church ought to be asking ourselves what is there all around us what who is it that's crying that we're saying shut up to how faithful are we now here, not what we're going to be when we get wherever there is? I read with inspiration the story of a, of a preacher in McDonough, Georgia, just up I-75. I usually don't like McDonough. That's the place where the interstate starts to clog up. Terrell Scott. Terrell Scott is a a pastor who was in prison for a number of years for uh, drug dealing and 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 crack cocaine. He graduated from Henry County High. He uh, went to college, but he began dealing in cocaine. He was in prison for quite a number of years, uh, oftentimes in solitary confinement, because. Uh, he started a gang and, and began dealing in drugs while he was in prison. But during that time, he, he became converted and, and, and he, he moved to the Lord's side. And the gang he's in charge of now is a church in, in McDonough. And he is now with his church going to the same projects, the McDonough uh, housing projects, where he once sold crack cocaine. And now his church is going there, and they are knocking on doors, and they are taking goodie bags full of treats and toothbrushes and toothpaste and sometimes butter and yogurt. And they're not just doing this once a year for fun. They're doing it regularly. And they've got an after-school program every week that involves 15 or 16 other churches who are coming in there and helping those children realize there's something that we can do on the weekends uh, that would, would be healthy and wholesome and fun. What, what this church is doing is just, they've heard, the, they've heard somebody in their, in their own community say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. going to their own people. They're being faithful in their own place. They're giving themselves away, led by a man who sold cocaine. Jesus, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There are people crying that in Bibb County. There are people crying that in downtown Macon. And I know we can say "Oh, it's easy to say, oh, we've got Macon Outreach. Well, folks, Macon Outreach may involve three to five people in this church. There aren't a whole lot of people in this church that have a whole lot to do hands on with Macon Outreach. We're getting ready to have a 50th anniversary celebration later, so I won't say much more about that, except we dare not use making Outreach uh, as a way to assuage our guilt. There are people all over this community. If we would but listen, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Are we yelling, shut up? Are we too busy? Are we worried too much about ourselves? Are we trying to recapture something that, as valuable as it might be, is keeping us from listening? If we are, if we are, Lord, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us and heal our blindness.